Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Mage Wars Mondays. This is Scott Morris, not Rick Perez. Uh, Rick is actually in absentee form today. Rick uh, has just channeled himself a brand new baby to his family recently. Uh, he and his wife are celebrating a new child, so we decided to give him a little bit of time off. So uh, as I'm sure he's listening to this uh, post-haste, congratulations, Rick. We all wish you the best for you and your growing family. Uh, but I am back. I have been gone for couple of weeks and a couple of episodes. I've uh, been busy traveling and busy uh, doing work, uh, but I am here and I am joined by my cohort in crime. Uh, I'm Aaron Brosman. Uh, I have uh, zero children, but plenty of <laughs> nieces and nephews, so. <laughs> That's good. Kind of kind of rental children from time to time. Well, my 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 brother-in-law is about to have his fifth child here very very soon which has my wife excited because uh, she read Watership Down growing up so she has decided okay. that the fifth child is going to be referred to as Fiverr repeatedly nice. so <laughs> there you go <laughs> whatever works well, uh, if you are new to Mage Wars Mondays uh, and you aren't familiar with me, uh, just so everyone knows, I'm the Vice President of Business Development at Arcane Wonders. Uh, I have the uh, illustriously cool job of hanging out and working with the distributors and retailers and our partners uh, while Aaron is locked in a dungeon doing game design, the boring part of the work. Right, Aaron? <laughs> Well, it's not a dungeon, even though uh, Brian does refer to it as the Shire. But yes, I have an, an awesome uh, little building on the property that is surrounded. Well, right now the snow is all melting, but for the last few weeks it has been literally surrounded by snow. Nice. Well, surrounded by snow, you know, one of the things we had talked about uh, doing here, while well, obviously it's Mage Wars Mondays and we're focused on Mage Wars, was maybe taking a couple of minutes and just talking about, you know, what we've been playing. So I'm, I'm presuming since you have a lot of snow on the ground that there's not a lot of travel or nightlife going on and that you may be getting some more things to the tabletop aside from what we're playtesting internally. What, what, have you been playing anything cool recently that we should talk about real quick? Uh, well, a, a couple weeks back, I taught my wife how to play Sentinel Tactics, because we're both huge Sentinels mm -hmm. of Multiverse fans, um, and she enjoyed that, but then uh, this last week, I finally got to play Abyss, um, and Aha. after after a few rounds, the game actually made sense, and then it was very cool, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> the, first time, the first time you sit down and play it, um, there are... A million things that could happen, um, and so the game, I don't want to say that it's daunting, because it's really not, um, but there are a couple uh, mechanics that you have to see them play out so that it makes sense, um, but once you do, that game's really smooth, it's, uh, it was really, it was really fun, uh, and the art is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's like playing a work of art. <laughs> they uh, they did a really good job. That was, uh, from my memory serves me right, it was Bruno Cathala and Charles Chevalier. And uh, that was the second game that Bruno had at uh, Gen Con along with Five Tribes. Uh, Five Tribes kind of stole its thunder a little bit, but I really loved Abyss. I, I played it at Gen Con uh, multiple times. In fact, I... 
most people laugh. You know, we always talk about how when, when we go to cons, you know, people who work in the industry, that we don't really get to play games. And I actually played Abyss five different times at Gen Con last year. Um, three well, of them. That explains why I hours. didn't get to play any games at Gen Con. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> well, I was going to say three. Three of those times were between two a.m. and six a.m. So, but it was uh, it was pretty fun. That was a very fun game. It must have been the the week of um, uh, scimitars being lobbed from lakes, as uh, Michael Palin might say. It was. Uh, I, I actually played a, a water-based game as well. I played uh, Aquasphere from uh, Tasty Minstrel Games, which is a uh, really, again, like physically, aesthetically pleasing looking game because there's a lot of colors and uh, it's kind of got this like octagonal, hexagonal board that like all kind of snaps together. Um, But it's a very interesting combination of of robot programming and worker placement where you you have to use worker placement to program and then execute your programs by also worker placing so it's really really interesting it's also a game that takes quite a bit in the beginning to kind of comprehend but honestly once you understand the the different actions you can take like most worker placement games you're off and running and you're down the road um or down the the pipe chute i guess because you're underwater in this one so um but yeah i i uh, thought it was really fun i really uh, enjoyed that game so and i it was a uh, kickstarter game uh, as most tasty minstrel games are um which is it is fastly well i don't want to say fastly becoming it already is uh, be, it, not becoming but has become a a pretty big breeding ground for some creative stuff um I know I do a lot of Kickstarter. Do you do you do a lot of Kickstarter, or do you watch a lot of Kickstarter? I I watch a lot of them. Um, I keep meaning to actually set aside a budget for it. Um, my thing is, uh, I love supporting. Um, I love supporting projects where you can tell that this is something that personally means something to the people making it, and that there's mm-hmm. a, a a certain uh, passion or love about their project. Uh, through it and and so like I want to set aside a budget for it I keep saying this uh, but I keep failing um, <laughs> I do watch a lot <laughs> of them though um, uh, especially since uh, John who's also in my office he also works for uh, Arcane Wonders um, he has been known to support a fair number of Kickstarters and oftentimes he'll be like pull one up and go Aaron what do you think how does it look do we, do we want to play this should should we get into the Conan board game? Uh, right. uh, I don't know, John. It looks pretty sweet. Okay, we're getting into Conan. Okay, John. Awesome. Yep. Uh, I will totally play Conan when you get that. Um, there. Uh, I'll tell you what. The last week has exploded on Kickstarter. There there have been a lot of games that have just started in the last week, maybe week and a half on Kickstarter. Um, and it's all over the board. It's it's small little card games up to you know big big giant heavy games, um, which has been really interesting. I um, one that that caught my eye, and I've actually been really excited. I'm waiting for this one for a while. This is about as unmage warsy as unmage warsy comments can get. Um, it's a sports game. Uh, it's called Bottom of the Ninth. Uh, it, the, the actual full title of it is Bottom of the Ninth, a dice and card game of classic baseball, which is a lot to say. So I just say Bottom of the Ninth. 
Um, but if anyone is familiar with Unpub, which uh, just happened recently in uh, Maryland area, Baltimore area, um, Daryl Lauder, uh, who designed Compounded for Dice Hate Me Games, designed this game also for Dice Hate Me Games, which ironically is now merged with Greater Than Games, who you mentioned earlier with Sentinel Tactics. It's just all just one giant corkscrew. Um, <laughs> the, the bottom of the ninth is interesting to me because... The first time I saw it was at Board Game Geek Con this past year, 2014. And I remember saying in in kind of just a, a circle of people talking, somebody brought up sports games just in general. And I made the comment, I said, you know, I really feel that the majority of sports board games fail because most people who want to play that sport just go outside and play that sport. They don't want to play a board game about playing the sport. They want to just go outside and physically do the activity. And that was when Daryl jumped up and said, well, I've got a game for you. Like, almost like it was like P.T. Barnum, like, come with me, my friend, you know. And uh, I got to play Bottom of the Ninth with uh, Rodney Smith from Watch It Played. And it's a two-player Who who is awesome to play games with, by the way. He's pretty awesome, yeah. Um, I had him at an advantage or a disadvantage, I would say, because he may have had one or two adult beverages in him already. Um, but it was, uh, it was a really fun game because we sat down and we both kind of were trepidatious about it and we played it in about maybe 15 minutes and that was with learning it. And it's really quick and really fast. And basically what it does is it takes the last like 10, 15 minutes of a baseball game and pressure cooks it. it. It takes that bottom of the ninth moment where one player plays the pitching team, one player plays the team at bat they've got three guys at bat you've got two dice they've got two dice and you've got to get them out before they score a run so it's like asynchronous pressure cooker baseball and uh it was really cool i was uh i was really really surprised by it i I really liked the artwork for it um and then they uh they just launched it and I don't think they funded on day one, but I know they're already funded. They they did really well, so it was called Bottom of the Ninth. So if you're if you're interested in some different kind of game on Kickstarter, that was one that I saw that would, caught my eye. So, how about you? Have you seen anything other than Conan recently that was amazing? Uh, Conan, I just bring up because we we ended up getting in on that like right at the end of it it was literally uh well the the thing ends in 20 minutes do we want it um and we were like yeah we'll do it impulse Um, (laughs) kickstarting yeah it was uh it was it was pretty crazy and the the models for that were absolutely gorgeous i'm always a big sucker for uh minis game stuff um i started gaming by playing lots of card games um lots of card games but i'm always a sucker for minis games so one i've been watching lately um is the second kickstarter for wild west exodus um Hmm. it's kind of a it's a crazy it's not steampunk uh but it's definitely a kind of weird west um miniatures uh, skirmish miniatures game um and i was excited about this one because they mentioned in their first one that they were going to have the confederates as a faction and i was like oh well i would love to play you know crazy super science uh confederate army and it is so that's part of this kickstarter so i've been watching that not sure not sure what i'll do with that uh but i have been watching it and then uh 
right now, John and I have an ongoing thing where um, we're going to get into the Ghostbusters Kickstarter only if they put Vigo in. With that's that's our line. <laughs> we're like, Can't be we're like, they've had well, they're, they're a bunch of their stretch goals were really cool, and I'm like, okay, this is this is great, but we want things from the second movie specifically. Mm-hmm. We want Vigo, and I was like, uh, how are we supposed to constantly say, you know, he is Vigo? You are like the buzzing of flies to him, uh, if they don't put him <laughs> in the game. So um, that's our that's our thing there, and then. Uh, one that just opened up last week that I've been watching is uh, Grimslingers. Yeah, I've been uh, watching Grimslingers too. The the guy the you you remember Tony who designed yep. uh, Yashima, and then we we yep. did the crossover mini with them. Um, he told John and I, he's like, this is going to go on Kickstarter in the next week. I've been talking to the the guy who designed the game, who is also the artist. He's like, I've been talking to him several months about this game he's like i'm really excited um and so i've been i've been watching that one too um the only thing that the only thing there was uh, and unless this has changed it's completely possible we couldn't find where the shipping was and i was like well you're shipping from canada it shouldn't be too bad but at the same time i know that whenever we try to ship stuff to canada we always begin with the thought it shouldn't be that bad, and always end with, "Dear God, how did it? <laughs> how did the shipping cost get that high?" So, um, yeah, shipping's pretty expensive, as most people who are fans of us know, who may have ever tried to order just a single game, even from from us directly, one game on its own, like a core set of Mage Wars, going to Canada, it can be like thirty-five dollars. And going overseas, like to to Germany or to Poland, it can be like sixty. It can be as much as the game, and it's brutal. I, I and it's not just us; it's everyone. I I talk, you know, from a business standpoint, I get emails a lot from fans who are like, "Why does it cost this much?" And unfortunately, you know, our answers is, you know, the, these are the prices that we get quoted from UPS, from FedEx, from UP, USPS. And it's not just us. When I talk to our other compatriots at, at shows and, and I talk to other businesses, even Fantasy Flight, and, uh, you know, we've talked to Brian who does the, the Fantasy Flight Retail Center up there in Minnesota, and everyone is combating with that issue of it's not too hard to ship a lot of games, but when you want to ship just one game, it gets really expensive. So that's uh, I think that's There's more definitely of a, a universal nice, challenge right now. A nice bell curve there where you ship yeah. a few <laughs> games and it's super expensive. You hit a nice you hit that right point where you're filling up your um, basically your shipping medium well and you can get a good price. But once you start going over, then it goes bad again. It's crazy. Yep. So. Lots. I, I know mean, right now 12, we're totally going to get people from who work for FedEx or whatever calling us. I'm like, that's not how it works, guys. You're you're dumb. I know. Which is fine <laughs> because right. if you well, re- do know that that's not how it we works, would love we'd to totally talk love to talk to you. That absolutely. Ironically, one of our best ambassadors uh, works for FedEx, and and even he told me, uh, yeah, this is a, a challenge. So it was. Uh, he, it was he's also been like snowed in for the past three weeks <laughs> i think half the country has been so so we just uh we just spent a good 12 13 minutes here talking about nothing about mage wars so let's let's get We're back gonna to rectify what we that are problem. here for 
<laughs> we're going to rectify that situation immediately. So let's talk about something that is coming up later this year uh, that we've talked about before in the past, kind of high level, but haven't really dug into stuff, um, which is Mage Wars Academy. So a lot of people are waiting in the next couple of weeks for Mage Wars Arena, the, the new reprint of the core set, to hit shelves. Uh, and it'll have the Arena tag on it. And as most people know, once that's on shelves, that's the way we're going to begin referring to the traditional way to play Mage Wars that everyone knows of right now. Twelve zones, two mages, that's going to be called Arena. And then Academy is a new set that we're bringing out later this year which is going to be two mages to start off with. And it's designed to be in a, I guess, a time or a place where the four core set mages are who we're focusing on in the uh, beginning stages of Academy. And it's when they're younger and they're at the Sortilage Academy and they're training to learn their arts. So the concept behind it is is going to be a more portable and a more faster way to scratch the itch of Mage Wars. It'll also be something that a um, player who may have looked at Mage Wars before and said, whoa, that looks like too much for me. I just, I, that, that's a bigger game physically than I want to get into. That's a bigger game complexity-wise than I want to get into. We all know, especially if you're listening to this podcast, Mage Wars is not a very difficult game to learn. It's actually a very easy game to learn. There's just a lot to learn. And I've always said that Mage Wars is a game of uh, investment bankers. What you put into it is what you get out of it. Uh, but if you do put in a lot, you can get quite a bit out of it. I mean, we, we love the game. Obviously, we're a little biased on our end. Uh, but it is something that we have seen a lot of people say, while it looks complex, it is quite easy. And Academy is going to offer that type of appeal to a player who may have in the past looked at Mage Wars as an arena combat game, going, that's too much. Academy may be right up their alley, and we're hoping it will be. So we've been spending a lot of time, uh, Aaron and his playgroup, and me and my playgroup, and several playgroups actually around the United States, around the world, playtesting the beginnings of Academy. And we thought we'd take a couple of minutes and talk about you know, some of the interesting things about the designer's aspect of taking a game that is 12 zones and highly strategic, great tactical choices, and compressing that down to something that is portable, is still strategic, is still tactical, and gives you the decisions that, you know, make Mage Wars so great, and does so in two zones. Because that's what we're playtesting Academy at right now, which is pretty amazing. So, um, I guess, Aaron, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a couple of questions, and then you can ask sure. me a couple of questions. We'll see how it goes. Um, so, I, if I'm hearing this for the first time, if I'm one of the, the listeners hearing this, people have heard Mage Wars is going to be, you know, Mage Wars Academy is going to be more portable, more streamlined. This may be the first time they're hearing two zones, and they may be, whoa, what does that mean? Like, how do you, how do you actually do that? So while we know we're still in development and there's still things that could change, what can you tell people about Academy from that two-zone perspective in terms of what it is and and what we're hoping to do with it? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, just because I don't think we can state this enough, um, we're still actively working on the game. So um, 
almost anything here has the potential to change uh, if we if we feel it's necessary. But I will say the stuff I'm going to be saying are all things that we feel very we feel very good about right now. Um, they're working out. They're doing well. So uh, from that aspect. Now, um, so the concept of two zones. Um, the first thing we wanted when we were looking at Academy is we wanted it to be... Um, we wanted it to be kind of a learn-to-play-mage wars. That's where we started with it. Um, and the more we were looking at it, um, the more we felt we wanted to have a game that was was intrinsically Mage Wars, but you could play at a much faster pace at a uh, you know, a much, uh, much more streamlined play. Um, Mage Wars is great because of the amount of depth the game itself provides. Uh, and so, kind of our big, the big, the first big hurdle, and I would say there are two big hurdles for us while designing Academy, but the first big hurdle was taking what makes Mage Wars intrinsically Mage Wars and distilling it down into um, a faster playing, uh, more streamlined, simplified version without losing what intrinsically makes it Mage Wars. Um, and so, from that aspect, uh, you have, you know, hearing two zones, it's like, well, you have lost... Um, three-fourths of what makes it Mage Wars. Um, <laughs> but in, in reality, um, that, was, that was one of the first, um, the first kind of uh, design decisions. We're sitting there trying to find a way uh, to simplify this, and uh, limiting that movement uh, really helped. Now, um, the beauty of it is that in the game that we're still playtesting, and I think Scott can back me up on this, um, movement happens less often, but it is still critically important. Um, when you decide to move, not move, um, that still plays a very big role uh, in the game, which movement we felt was important, so we still wanted it to have an impact. Um, yeah, it's pretty massive how important it is right now. Not necessarily from a like physical perspective, but really more of a tactical perspective because, I mean, it, it, it's literally you're here or you're there. There's there's two zones, right? So if you imagine sitting across from your opponent and I have my zone in front of me and you have your zone in front of you, you start there, I start here, but we're going to have the option to move into each other's zones. And there becomes this great mind game of... I don't have a giant arena to run around. I don't I don't have the ability to teleport four zones away or I don't have the ability to teleport you four zones away. We're going to get into combat and we're going to start to fight and I've got to be able to plan do I bring out the right type of creatures to and plan my moves correctly or do I not and I get overrun before I can can keep up. 
Um, and that's been one of the fun things that I've really enjoyed about playtesting the game so far is that you, you would not think with only the option of I'm in A or I'm in B that there would be tactical decisions to be made that can sway the game. But there really are. And, and it does make a really fun environment for when you're sitting down with, you know, 20 to 30 minutes to play to, to get that tactical feel of I not only am choosing my my spells for my spell book, but I am also still having this this mono e mono battle of wits against my opponent. That's been really fun. No, so um, that's that's one of the first things is that uh, movement was hugely important to Major, so we still want to have movement and we want to have it be an important tactical decision. Um, from that same aspect, obviously. Um, the spellbook is core to Mage Wars, so there's still a spellbook in Academy. Um, the big difference, and I would say this is probably going to be uh, the most different thing for Mage Wars players to, to kind of get used to, um, but you do get used to it very quick. Um, there's no planning phase. Uh, you know, and part of that is because um, we ended up splitting up uh, the activations. So effectively, you know, I'm going to take my turn, do my things, activate my creatures. Then you're going to take your turn, do your things, activate your creatures. Now, for Mage Wars uh, Arena, that is how Brian had started it in his original playtesting. He had started it with this alternating activation. Um, but in the game, in the game as he was making it at the time, um, you know, it was possible for, you know, someone to get ahead and alpha strike and do craziness um, because it was a bigger game, a longer game, more stuff is happening. Um, and so it, it didn't end up working out for Arena, but it is one of those things that is perfect for Academy because it lets us... It lets us speed up the play. Um, now, what, when I say speed up the play, um, a normal game of Mage Wars with people who um, are very familiar with their spellbooks um, and are fairly familiar with the rules, uh, in my experience, takes between an hour and an hour and a half. Um, mm -hmm. and your mileage may vary, but um, that's kind of my experience. Now, in the playtesting we've done so far, Academy's times come in at between half an hour to an hour. Um, most of the time, uh, basically between 30 and 45 minutes for a full game. Yeah, ours are running about 30 minutes for our groups. Um, and that's with a couple of people who are brand new to Mage Wars, never played Mage Wars Arena before. Um, in my playtest group, we have a couple of people who have seen it, but have never played it. Uh, and then we have a couple of people who are very familiar with it. Um, so yeah, about 30 minutes is the mark that I've seen as well. Which is exciting, because that's a lunchtime game. And probably even more exciting about it is because there's no board, we've been able to do it at lunch, play a game at lunch, and do it on a table where there's already things on the table. Which is pretty amazing. I remember um, when we were at... Uh, when we were at in Madison last year, 
Uh, we were sitting mm-hmm. down with Brian and trying it out, and we were playing it in a pizza place in Madison. That's Wisconsin. right. <laughs> and I think what you guys right. you guys finished three games while we were having lunch. Yep. <laughs> it was it was yeah. pretty. And sweet. that was the beginning. That yeah, was just that was, the beginning. Now it's the beginning. even more vetted out. Yeah, the, I, I agree with you. The um the way the game is is set up right now without the planning. It, it may throw experienced Mage Wars players um, kind of a monkey wrench. Um, but even in my experiences with, with the diverse playgroup we have here, it's not something that has been, you know, impossible to overcome. It's, it's actually, the way you described it is really, really good. Uh, from my experience, having a game of Mage Wars Arena take place where I do all my activations and then you do all your activations leads to imbalance. But, and it's because of the size and the scope of the game and the size and the scope of the play area. But with the size and the scope of Academy, it lends itself to actually making a better experience, alternating the activations in the way that we're doing right now. And it's something that's really fun because we've talked about how the cards in Academy will be forwards compatible to Arena. Now, not that doesn't mean that every single card inside of Academy is going to see play inside of Arena. Um, you may be a Mage Wars Arena competitive player, and you may buy the sets and pick and choose the right cards for your spell books at the right times. And that's great. That's exactly what we want for you. Um, but at the same time, there there's going to be cards that obviously have a distinct advantage in the academy setting alone and then there's going to be cards that you'll immediately see hey that's got an advantage in arena and and that's something i'm going to bring in um obviously we don't want to necessarily talk about the the spells that we're playtesting right now because they are all subject to change as the uh the card poster says but the uh there's a couple that we've already seen when we hand it to experienced players are like yes like i would that card would go in my spellbook. I immediately know that card would go in my spellbook, which has made me feel good because it makes me know that what we're working on designing is something that's both for the experienced player and for the new player. So it can get people into the game, but also give people who are already into the game something more, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. And that's that's really the, the, the second hurdle uh, the first hurdle was taking the experience of Mage Wars and distilling it down into something um, that feels less cumbersome um, and moves smoothly. Um, and I, right now I'm really happy with the progress we're making on that. It's, like I said, 30 minutes for a game, taking much less space. Um, it's been fantastic. The second hurdle is keeping uh, Arena in mind. Um, we want all of these spells to be playable in Arena. Um, obviously, like you were saying, you're not like just because we want them to be playable in Arena doesn't mean that they're necessarily always going to be your first choice. You're not going to go, oh my gosh, I'm going to throw out all of my <sighs> dispels because blank from Academy is better. Probably not going to happen. Um, but at the same time, you know, we want to make sure that we're we're giving the the players who are playing Academy just for Academy interesting cards that make the game experience there fantastic. Um, and then if you take those and play those in Arena, 
you get some interesting choices and you get some interesting uh, new options. Um, one of the things that I've been super psyched about <laughs> last week, uh, last week I was going through the the Test Warlock spellbook and uh, myself and another gentleman were like, well, one of the things that we feel this particular spellbook needs um, is more level one demons. So mm-hmm. I got to spend a day basically designing like four or five level one demons just to see you know, what may or may not make it. Um, but that's really cool because, you know, this is, a, this is I, and I've said this before, but I really feel that Academy is this excellent opportunity for us to go in and give more, uh, more workhorse kind of spells to various schools. Um, like, sure. Like you look at, um, you look at the nature school and you're like, oh, you know, you've got, You've got a couple of level one creatures. You've got various creatures at other levels. Tons of level one enchantments. You've got a lot going on. Um, conversely, you look at the holy school, and you're like, awesome. You have exactly one level one creature, uh, exactly one <laughs> level two creature, um, a few enchantments, and a bunch of level three things, and then holy uh, like healing incantations. Um, Do you really need anything more than Brogan? I mean, uh, really? <laughs> Okay, you've been playing Academy. Uh, you played the Priestess book. You absolutely need more than Brogan. Yes. Now, yes. now you're probably yes. still going to use Brogan, but you yes. totally. And that's that's part of the joy is to go in and and be able to give new tools, um, and you know find new ways to do um, old things. Uh, for example. We we have a creature card, and it when it attacks, it has a chance to apply its condition. Well, the fun, yes. the fun part with this guy right now is that the whole idea is that he's basically this kind of huge sort of thug, and so he applies the condition if he deals enough damage. So if he hits you hard enough, then he gives you the condition. And that, that was something new, and that's been fun. Um... Is he going to end up that way? I don't know. Um, but we are trying it out See, right now, and he's super fun. And I, I think from a watching you and watching Brian from a designer's perspective, I think some of the fun that I've seen is that you guys have both really been able to take the chains off and try new things. Um, Matt Birch, who uh, a lot of people will hear his name uh uh, very soon he's actually joining us as part of our team for arcane wonders he's been an ambassador for us in the past um he has also come up with a lot of design aspects of the game as well uh with brian and with aaron and there's a lot of things that we're doing that we just haven't done before and we haven't tested before no one no one has thought to do things like what we're doing in academy with Mage Wars Arena, and I think that that's from a from a fan of Mage Wars and from someone who sees behind the curtain of Mage Wars, that's the most interesting and fun thing to me in this development cycle of Academy is that, like you said, that creature you just described may not end up that way, but it very well may become the catalyst for something else inside of Arena. And having those two avenues for you guys to explore 
and attempt and just try new things is going to be a big boon. Um, and, and that's probably one of the more exciting things for me because I really, I, I feel there's going to be players that will find Academy, love Academy, and never want to play Arena. And that's totally cool. That's phenomenal. We're going to release multiple sets of Academy. The plan is not just one set. The plan is multiple sets. So there will well, be... I know we're already new... working... I was going to say we're working on two at once. So we right, know exactly. that there's at least yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and vice versa. There may be Arena players who don't see anything of value to them in Academy. I can guarantee you the one moment that the trick cards come up from Academy and surprise people in arena. They're, they're probably going to take some notice to it. But the fun thing about that is you could be a player that only stays in arena that only stays in Academy or traverses between the two. And it's just going to provide more opportunities for excitement and more opportunities for fun for our player base. And, and I think for me, you know, a lot of people have heard me say this. If you've talked to me in public, uh, I'm not very shy about being transparent about this. If you look over the last year to year and a half of Mage Wars, there has not been a lot of new things that have come out. Uh, Forged in Fire came out last year. was very exciting. Prior to that was Druid vs. Necromancer. Um, but we have not released as much content as we would have liked to, nor that you would have liked us to. And I really think that Academy on you know coming out and being part of this universe while we're also continuing to bring out products for major wars arena is going to offer that opportunity for more content more fun more excitement at all different levels and i think that's going to be really cool no absolutely uh one of the things that's really been exciting me about uh about working on academy stuff and i was talking to uh i was talking to matt about this um and that was uh, so my my degree is in professional writing, um, so it means I took a bunch of classes in college covering uh, all manner of stuff from freelance writing to like poetry to uh, short stories, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so the reason I bring up the poetry thing is it's weird, but one of the things you realize when you start trying to write a poem when you start to write a when you go to start to write a poem it's every style of poem has its own rules and its own limitations and the first time you go to write those you think this is horrible why would i put limitations on it when there's you know freeform poetry and i can write whatever i want then you actually finish you know something in one of those other styles and you realize that having those kind of limitations it's weird you tell people that you have this whole great sandbox do whatever you want and most people can't think of a dang thing worthwhile to do but if you <laughs> tell someone you know oh go give me an awesome picture of a robot and that's all you say you're going to end up with 50 different robots and they're going to vary and some are going to be incredibly imaginative it's sometimes having that little bit of structure uh really encourages your creativity so that you explore that space um 
like if you've ever tried to write a haiku, that's ludicrously structured poetry. Um, but at the same time, when you feel like you've succeeded, you look at that and you're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Academy is the same way. Because um, when we're looking at Mage Wars uh, Arena, it's kind of like the whole world is open. We can do whatever we want. We can design um, whichever direction we feel you know, this character needs or um, this school wants, and it's really open. Well, Academy, we specifically have limitations on ourselves because um, we have that goal of you know, making this more approachable, more streamlined, smoother. And you think, oh, well, they have all these limitations. It has to be dumbed down. And I'll tell you right now that that has been the most joy working on this project is when I can sit there and take a really simple, like really simple complexity card and I can do something fresh and interesting and new with it. And that, those are the cards that I've really been enjoying. That's the part that's really excited me about designing this is that opportunity to go, well, I know that we have all these, all these rules and all this structure that we have to follow, but inside that I can still show you something amazing. Um, and that's, that's what I'm really excited about once we're finished with Academy is being able to show you guys, Hey, you know, people who play arena and that's all you play and bless you because you're awesome but you know you'll see academy and you may think this is not for me i would definitely say give it a good look over once it comes out because there's going to be some amazing stuff in there and no it's not going to be like you're not going to see anything in there that's like ooh, uh play on turn two win game did not expect that. <laughs> um, but you will see, like, there will be exciting uh, exciting new cards. And once we get a little further along, I will be happy to talk about this project again with slightly more specifics. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, much less my own. Because, yes, there are certain cards in playtesting right now that I really, really, really want to make sure get through. But I'm trying not to bias things, so. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, that's probably a good place to end the discussion on Academy. Um, I think in short, we're very excited about it. We think you will be very excited about it. We hope you're very excited about it. Um, and let us know. Like, leave, leave comments on our forums. Go on our Facebook page. We have our Facebook page open so that people can leave comments and talk to us and, and let us know their thoughts and ideas. Um, after hearing this, you know, are you excited? Are you interested? Have you not had a chance to hear anything? And this is the first time you're hearing it. Um, so let us know. Uh, we, we love our community. You guys are great. Everyone is very, very vocal, very forward. And I, I love that. And uh, that, that's been a really exciting piece to me being part of this team for the last year. So, um, so where do we go next? So next from here, Hopefully, on the next Mage Wars Monday, Rick will be back in full force. Um, and again, all of our best wishes to him and his family. Uh, really hope that they are recovering and doing well and everyone's enjoying their time together. Uh, for us, Aaron, let's see, uh, Gamma is next. So anyone who is a consumer may not be familiar with Gamma. 
But if I can leave you with a little bit of tidbits around this, Gamma is the Game Manufacturers Association trade show. And it's held every year in Las Vegas, which sounds posh and exciting, um, but it is not at one of the most posh and exciting places in the world. It's it's Vegas, it's work, and it's all crammed together. So you're you're not really you know there to have fun. You're there to there to work, and it is fun at times, but you're there to work. Um, the interesting thing about Gamma is that it is the show where we get to interact with retailers primarily and game manufacturers from all over the world. And to me, it's the most valuable show because the retailers are the lifeblood of the hobby gaming industry. For me, I've been a retailer. I, I've managed a store. Uh, Aaron has as well. And we know that you know, from our point of view, being a FLGS, a friendly local game store, means being the hub of a community and whether you're doing organized play or whether you just have a community of players that come in to browse and shop and buy and hang out and do their thing at your store you are the linchpin to that community and for us to get time with the retailers and get to ask them what's good what's bad what's working what's not hear from them firsthand what is going on in their communities, that becomes really, really valuable. And what I think from a consumer standpoint, people may not realize is that the best way to help spurn that community and drive that community is letting your friendly local game store owners and managers know what you want. Let them know, hey, I play Mage Wars and I wish we had a larger group. You're going to Gamma. Can you go talk with Arcane Wonders about how that happens? Or, hey, I am trying to find Sheriff in Nottingham and I can't find it. You can talk to them and they can talk to us about how we can get them more. That's some of the more basic things. But there's a lot of things that happen, I believe, and I've seen it personally, where you make a presumption as a consumer that a friendly local game store just has one of everything. That's very true at times. The problem is once that one of something goes away, there's usually not an opportunity for that friendly local game store to restock an item unless it's something like a Catan or a Ticket to Ride. So if there's games that you're looking for, if you're trying to get Druid vs. Necromancer and you haven't found it at your friendly local game store, or you're trying to get Forge and Fire and you haven't found it at your friendly local game store, or just Sheriff of Nottingham, ask them... Uh, make sure they know you want it, and make sure that if they don't have access to it for whatever reason, that they can get a hold of us and let them know that they're always welcome to, to contact us. We're looking forward to Gamma. I think it's going to be a lot of fun again this year. Um, there is just a bevy of information uh, to talk about and a lot of great things to hear about. Like I said earlier, our community is our best asset. When you look at what Mage Wars is as a game, to me, the thing that binds us all together is the community of us, the people. And I think that uh, your voices are loud, and they can get louder, but they are loud. And I love that you bring up with your friendly local game stores, the owners, the managers, what you want, what you need, and uh, get that discussion going. So if there's any advice I can give you guys is as we go to Gamma and as your FLGS owners and managers go to Gamma, 
let them know what you like, what you don't like, so that they can pass it on to us and we can kind of keep things moving in the right direction. So, Anything to say about Gamma at all, Aaron? Uh, the biggest thing for me was when I was a retailer, what made Gamma so special was it was a chance to interact with the companies that made the games I was selling without having to fight um, the consumers. And that sounds weird, but when you're at, for instance, Gen Con... Um, if I'm a game store, I'm not going to bother uh, one of the companies there because they're dealing with their players, their consumers, and I don't want to get in the way of that. And Gamma is great because they're there for the retailer and they're there for manufacturers. So it, it's a chance to it's a chance to have conversations that you normally wouldn't have. Uh, the time to do otherwise, which is part of what makes it so special. Could not have said it any better myself. So with that, I think we will see some of you at Gamma. Hopefully there are some retail owners who listen to our podcast and not just consumers. I'm sure they're across the line. So if you are a retailer or even in the distributor world, we will see you at Gamma. Um, and I guess the big, the next big consumer show coming up is Origins, really. Um, we have Origins, we have Dice Tower Con, we have Gen Con. There's so much coming up this summer, it's going to be amazing again. So uh, we'll look forward to see you guys out there. Uh, but until we see you next time, hopefully with Mr. Perez back in the driver's seat, thank you for listening. And Aaron, any sign-off? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Again, eloquent as always. He's too busy writing his poetry. So, Although, now that you've done this, I am going to ask you to somehow fit a haiku into one of our rule books in the future. So, oh, see, we'll no, see. that'll be awesome. Haikus we'll are We'll see fun. if we can get that done. All right, well, thank you guys for listening, and uh, let us know, you know, leave comments in the forums, leave comments on Facebook, let us know what you think. If you have an idea for a topic for an upcoming show, let us know. And until we see you next time, play more Mage Wars.